You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders. I'm Cooper. I help connect business with tech talent, and today I'm your host. Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Australia podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across Australia to discuss industry passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Cooper, and I connect businesses with talented contractors in the software engineering market. Today, I'm joined by Surini, Artem, Andy, and QS. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room and do some introductions. Surini, do you want to kick us off? Hey, thanks. Thanks, Cooper. Um, yeah, my name is Srini Vasudhavan. I am the CTO for GoFundRaise. Um, and just, I guess, a very short introduction about GoFundRaise. We are a online, uh, basically an online fundraising pl- platform. We serve across uh, various markets, including AU, New Zealand, US and UK as well, and continually expanding into other markets as well. Uh, essentially, we try to make it easy for charities and not-for-profits and event organisers to be able to take online donations. So you think of you know, some big events like Melanoma March, Bridge to Brisbane, etc. Uh, and all of those uh, events, when you go to their website, you register or you make online donations or become a fundraiser. Essentially, all that goes through our platform. So, yeah, and my job is basically to look after that platform. And we have a uh, fairly good distributed team here in um, in Sydney and across Southeast Asia. and working along to make sure that we can serve the uh, serve our customers the best we can. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Sereni. Uh, Andy. Hey, thanks. Thanks for that, Srini. Uh, thanks, Cooper. My name is Andy, Andy Ayer. Uh, I'm a principal at uh, in software engineering at Slalom Build. I've been with them for almost uh, two years now. Uh, Slalom is a consulting company. It's based out of uh, Seattle. And uh, it's it's been there for quite a while in Seattle. It, it it came to Australia in 2020, right during the pandemic. That's when we hired and scaled up. Uh, so it's it's been an interesting journey for us as a as a whole, where we kind of got together as different capabilities and helping clients in Australia as well as other regions in APAC. Uh, what I do day to day is I work uh, very closely with customers uh, who want to either you know rebuild, rearchitecture, or or build something completely new, natively in the cloud. Uh, in AWS, Azure, uh, and Google Cloud. And my background is software engineering, essentially. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for that, Andy. And yourself, Artem. Thank you. Uh, thanks, gentlemen. My name is Artem. I'm engineer manager at Hiveri. I guess engineer manager by trade, engineer by passion. Um, love my engineering things, love working with teams, love building teams. Uh, Hiveri itself, we are an Australian scale up now. Uh, providing uh, AI and optimization solutions for retail space, uh, mainly working with the US customers now, not not the Australia at the moment. Yeah, very happy to be here. Awesome. And last but not least, QS. Hey, everyone. Uh, yeah, I call myself QS, uh, even, you know, it's more of a nickname because, like, my name is a bit uh, hard to be pronounced, <laughs> I guess, for English speakers. I have been uh, let everyone call me QS for over 10 years. Uh, at this time, I'm the head of uh, the development team of uh, Arcadis system. Uh, basically, I'm leading a team around 10 to build a web application in financial uh, domain. Uh, the system itself is more or less, uh, you know, supporting the South Asia countries. Uh, we don't have a business in Australia. Uh, yeah, my interesting uh, technical-wise, yeah, I'm still concern, consider myself as a, as an engineer. Uh, my interest is around the microservice architecture, software design, you know, and being uh, building, helping help building, you know, high-performance development teams. Uh, Personal-wise, I'm super a sports fan, playing soccer, running. Yeah, that's pretty much about myself. Nice to meet everyone here. Awesome. Now that we've established a bit of context around each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus. All of you have a question or a statement on best practice when developing architecture for scalability. As usual, I'll walk around the work. I'll work around the room. Um, 
asking each of you to pose your questions and reasons behind it. Each of you have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. Uh, let's start with Andy and your question, please. Cool. Uh, this this question is yeah, especially after after the introductions, uh, all of us are pretty much engineers or architects as at at heart. Uh, this question is relevant. Whose uh, whose whose problem is scalability? Scalability. We've been talking about uh, building applications and software at scale for quite a while, and uh, a lot of us have been successful. A lot of us have failed. Uh, so I guess who 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 does the honors lie on uh, in an organization in a technical organization uh, in a general organization who should worry about it and who should address it that's my question cool and what's your take on it who, who do you think should uh, address it uh, I, I think i think uh, uh, the easy answer is it's everyone's problem <laughs> it's it's not just one person or one team who's responsible to uh, uh, to fix or address the problem uh, there are there are different different teams that come together to build a product or a, or a company or an organization or an arm or an organization, right? Or a system. Uh, and if you see the different uh, different teams and different roles that each each uh, each person plays in the organization, you have your business, you have your architects, your cloud providers, your engineers, your DevOps, and your managers and your leaders, right? So each of these, like for example, I'll just take a couple of them. Uh, from a business perspective, uh, you are defining the scale because you're defining the boundaries in the network and 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 the perimeters under which your system kind of builds uh, and scales to right because uh, I know these days everyone just talks about infinite scalability and yes you can you can achieve infinite scalability and that's that's what you know infrastructure and and, um, and everything around the cloud has been that's what they promise but we have to be honest that we have to at least start start somewhere we need to have boundaries and that's where the business uh, lens comes into picture. As architects, obviously, uh, we are we are constantly thinking of you know reusing and and building scalable components. Uh, we know pain points around each systems that we build. Uh, we want to smoothen them out, uh, and that's that's one of our biggest headaches, right? And that's that's what we do day in day out. So that's that's a pretty natural thing to think about. Uh, in terms of engineers, yeah, we 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 often discount uh, day to day you know software engineers. Uh, when when talking about scalability, like it's it's just the architect's issue a problem. It's not right. Even the engineers day to day, even the small things that they do, even the code that they write, uh, even the data that they collect, the data that they service back to uh, back to the user. Everything has to be uh, scalable and optimal and and pretty performant. Uh, we you go on to DevOps. That's another thing because they are the ones who are actually building for scale. Uh, so so it's it's very important that that people around. Uh, infrastructure are pretty much aligned to the scale and the business that we are building on, uh, and leadership is something that that often management and leadership. You know, I think Artem, you said you're an engineering manager. I think it's a it's very important for an for an uh, EM uh, to be across uh, this this major uh, colossal question of scalability as well. You can't just say that you know this is an architect's issue. You can't just say that it's a it's a team issue, right? So you have to kind of you know, be on top of it, and also uh, understand and make the right moves, uh, and and move the the engineers and the architects in the right direction. So I think that's where management and leadership also plays a very important role in um, in in addressing this problem of scalability. Yeah, absolutely. And only because you brought Artem up uh, in your answer, <laughs> I'm going to pass over to Artem first to see what his uh, take on this is. Uh, I mean, it is an interesting question. To be honest, that's what we're actually kind of personally dealing with it right now. Um, I I have a weird relationship with, you know, everyone's responsibility concept, right? On one hand, I 100% agree, like, you know, scalability, say security and things like that, right? They are everybody's responsibility. On the other hand, I also do believe that when I have, a, you know, when I have a concept that everyone's something is everyone's responsibility, then it becomes no one's responsibility, and that sort of starts posing the problems. Uh, and I've seen that happen before, right? When things go completely off the path because, well, people are busy, right? There's a lot of things going on around. There's always something, you know, that you can miss. So what we personally try to, like, the way we try to approach is that. Yep, it has to go from each team, like each team looks after it, right? Which, like every time you do any TRD, any requirement, like te technical documentation, you, you do keep uh, scalability as part of the, you know, 
uh, quality of the system that that you sort of keep in mind every time you, you design the system. But then there is also a role or a small group of people across the teams that basically evangelize that. They look after it. They make sure that these things don't slip through in case, you know, there is a delivery uh, pressure or there is maybe some experience lack in, in some new teams or with some new members, right? So I guess it's a bit of a double buffer in case things go wrong. But to me, it's also as it is a quality of the system, right? And it does cost you because the, well, sure we can try and go as close to infinity as we probably can, but obviously it's going to like incur a huge cost on on the business. So to me, it's also a product thing, right? They need to understand what it is. They need to know, you know, how much it costs them, and also how much it's going to cost them if they don't have it, right? Like if your system doesn't scale, you start losing your customers tomorrow. You you can't be out of business the day after easily enough. And uh, if they don't understand it, and I've seen that happen as well, right? Uh, business would just, yeah, I don't know what you guys are talking about, like tech things. You just want to make everything perfect and all that. And then after after some time, the product can't just onboard a new customer, right? Or probably even can't handle the existing customer anymore because I don't know the data. For instance, load has increased significantly. Client wanted to bring new business to you, but you can't just take it because the system's not capable of doing this. So, yeah, I guess it's like a, a multi-edged sword, I, guess, I, I suppose, and uh, responsibility lies on many, many people. Um, yeah. Yeah, very interesting take on that. Um, a lot of really good points. What about yourself, QS? How have you sort of um, addressed this? Uh, well, I guess I'm sort of... Um, Take the similar uh, view of that. For me, I guess uh, in the in the herd, um, everyone you know, it's everyone's problem for sure. Because at the end, if you are building a product, everyone have to align with each other uh, to understand you know the the architecture to understand the scalability issue. But we have to have someone or a team actually uh, take the ownership of it and drive from there. And from my point of view, by nature, architecture is more of a thing, you know, uh, either uh, architect, if you have an architecture team or the tech team have to take the ownership and drive from there. But on the other hand, the guys who drive, take the ownership and drive this problem have to, you know, sort of educate and align across all the teams to making sure uh, your product team, the designer, uh, your boss, right? Even your boss uh, at a business side have to understand what exactly the architecture scalability means. So I have actually have a, a good question. Uh, sorry, a good example here uh, in my current team. Actually, I guess once a while the designer team actually um, worked, was working together with the product team to build a POC, a prototype which based on uh, uh, Angular, um, whatever web, uh, you know, library, I won't name it, but they built a, a cool, uh, they actually built a cool like a POC, right? A very static, uh, based on static HTML, it looks cool. But unfortunately they didn't realize actually they grabbed some example from the website and that, that, that example are all, you know, client-side uh, model-based, means every data is actually, you know, uh, loading inside the browser itself. So the, the design is cool, but not necessarily scalable at all. So when, you know, they actually, you know, was showing that to me, I have to got involved and explain to everyone, you know, from boss, because boss have been seeing that, uh, that uh, POC already is really, you know, Exciting about that uh, that design and want to be want to make it to be a product. So I have to be involved in and explain to them. Okay, that looks cool, but it's more or less a desktop application, right? It's not a scalable uh, web application because every data is actually loaded uh, into your browser. Every like sorting, grouping, whatever is uh, running inside uh, you know uh, the browser itself. Which means while you will only maybe have millions of data, you will crash everything. So now then they realize, okay, they have to switch to the maybe server-side model and they have to like design the feature 
uh, redesign the UI because you have to wait, right? You have to synchronize your app somewhere or whatever, whatever. So I guess that's a, that's for me a very typical case. Yes, uh, we have to you know drive everything you know to making sure our design has a business uh, value, right? For sure. And we need to understand, you know, we drive from there. But on the other hand, for me, scalability is uh, a, a technical issue. The technical team have to take, also have to align across the team. Yes, it's everyone's problem. But I would love to say, you know, maybe technical guys have to have the business, uh, you know, view and have to uh, drive everything uh, as the owner of this uh, this problem. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, last but not least, Sereni, what's your take on this? Yeah, it looks like really, really good points there, I think, from everyone, uh, QS, Andy, and Artem. So um, I think my answer is probably just a little bit uh, adding to what they've already said, complementing them, if you want to say. Uh, we, yes, I agree with what everyone has said. Essentially, it's, you know, it's everyone's responsibility, fundamentally. Um, but we also know that too many cooks you know, spoil the broth as well. So you want to make sure that someone is obviously responsible at the day so that uh, um, you know, you, you've got the right kind of, uh, right, right kind of architecture, right um, things going forward. Um, now, a lot of this also comes down to experience um, and the different mindsets as well. Um, you know, I personally like to have a pragmatic approach when it comes to software engineering and scalability. Of course, every every business out there wants to build their system like Netflix, right? Same time, every engineer that wants to build a, even a website wants to make sure that that it's built out like Netflix, right? But we all know that's a you know it's not uh, it's not practical and feasible to to sort of do that from a you know, resource time uh, budget point of view. Um, so all these things really do need to be factored, and I think it's really about making sure someone. Um, at the end of the day, is is responsible for that, and you know whether that's your CTO, whether that's your principal architect, or your lead engineer, doesn't really matter who that person is. But that one person should be that mediator between the business and have a good technical yes. knowledge. Um, so I don't think you can swing one way or the other. It's really about making sure that you've got that you know, that in ground. You, you know the business side of things, and you know the technical side of things. So that you can really say, okay, this is the architecture we're going to go forward with. You know, your CEO might say, you know, I need a system here that's going to scale 100 times my current load. Um, and then your one of your junior engineers might say, yeah, I need to use this particular architecture and it's going to take me, you know, two years to build or whatever it's going to be. But you need that one person in there to actually say, okay, let's have a look. Firstly, do you need 100 times load right now? Maybe not. You know, you're probably expanding to 10 times load. Let's choose an let's choose an architecture. Go down that way, and then you know, look at further down the line. What's our long term roadmap? So as long as we can settle down with you know that ideal person, whoever that may, may be your team. Uh, but I think you know we need to make sure that there's one person that's championing that um, scalability piece um, and make being that sort of end core decision maker. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important having that person um, in the team that is going to champion it and be sort of that balance between um, looking at who uh, from like the technical side and the business side. Instead, of, it's very exciting to be like, oh, I'm going to build this huge monster of a thing, but it's not feasible, right? Sometimes like dreams, they're, they're cool, but probably not practical. So I think that's a really good piece there. Um Moving on, um, I'm going to jump over to QS. Do you want to introduce your question for us? Uh, my question is actually, like, say, uh, I have been seeing, you know, um, why are we talking about uh, scalability? I guess I've been seeing uh, the trends in a startup like this, right? So on one end, uh, we want to build an architecture, which is scalable. But on the other end, you know, uh, as, a, as a startup, it's a bit harder to, you know, uh, achieve or put that many efforts or money on, you know, having a, a, a super scalable system right now. So my question is around how to design a scalable system, which is 
scalable on the long term, but also keep the current implementation uh, simpler and cost effective, especially you know for some small startups. Uh, as I said, you know uh, the difficulties you uh, I have been seeing, you know, it's a bit uh, difficult to balance in between because. As I said, you know, as a startup, you probably don't want to put that many money, uh, that many efforts for building a, a, a system which actually can support millions or, you know, 10 million or 100 millions of users now. But on the other hand, you don't want to waste your, your current code, right? You don't want to just build something. You can, you know, uh, treat it as a VIP or POC. But later on, you probably don't have, again, don't have the resource and time to, you know, um, drop all your current code and, you know, rewrite everything. So my, uh, well, I don't necessarily have a, a, a um, perfect answer to this, but my interest is always try to balance in between. So you design your system uh, correctly. Also, you work together with uh, the development team to implement code direct, uh, carefully, design the code carefully. I want to say uh, you can you know, scale your system directly without changing anything, but hopefully you still can you know, uh, reuse some of your code, especially you know, uh, the code of your core business logic. You, still can, you can still reuse them and you know put it uh, into the new uh, system which is scale which is um, supporting you know million of the users i guess uh, that's my question um yeah i guess my thoughts around this is i'm always like i knew architecture is sort of at a high level um, thing somehow but i'm always want to dig into more details uh, think about at the implementation level, working together with a team. Because again, for me, a good uh, scalable, scalable system, a good architecture design is about implementation. It's not just about you know having a, a, a perfect diagram, um, having a perfect uh, concept somewhere. Say okay, if we want to scale this system, we do this, do that. But on the other hand, you know, for me, I want to dig into implement detail to making sure. We design the code carefully. Uh, we're making sure our code is more or less stateless. So eventually, when we have to, you know, scale that uh, piece of code, we can achieve our goal. Yeah, I guess that's uh, that's my question and uh, my quick thought around it. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to pass over to Andy for this one. Um, obviously, sort of being with uh, Slalom, uh, getting to see a lot of different businesses build their products. Um, I guess you get to see it in so many different uh, business sizes and through different points of their growth. What's sort of been your point or sort of take on this? Yeah, I think I think this is a this is an interesting question. Uh, keeping keeping a fine balance between uh, simple, cost effective, uh, as well as you know designing scalable, especially for startups and and scale ups. So so what I think is you know just scalability is not a single dimension, right? It has it's a it's a multi dimensional concept. Uh, and to qualify something as scalable, uh, you have your application scalability, your data scalability, your infrastructure scalability. Right, there are there are quite quite a few moving parts. Uh, I think I think what's essential as a startup is to have the mindset of start simple and small, uh, and and to to kind of reiterate what what QS said is uh, is is make sure that you you build your systems in modules so that tomorrow when you have the uh, the need to kind of scale or kind of you, pull these modules out and, and kind of build full-fledged systems out of these modules, you can, you're can you able to do that, right? So in, in a way, you're still building, uh, you know, a small set of services or a small set of systems, but at the same time, you're giving building it in a way that you're, you're giving them the ability to kind of scale out as and when they need to. Right, have their own have their own life cycle and so on and so forth. Uh, I think one thing that we we often forget is choosing the right people for the job, uh, especially during startups. I was I was part of a startup and uh, this was long back, about more than eleven years back, uh, when when cloud wasn't the thing. So we had to really think about scalability, like from a hardware perspective as well. It's a very it was a very interesting challenge. The 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 prop the the questions haven't changed. The solutions have changed obviously with time. Uh, but at the same time, uh, when when we focused, when we looked at uh, scale from a startup perspective, what we saw was we started 
uh, uh, this was a school management software. We started small. We started catering to ten schools, twenty schools, and then when we went to hundred and two hundred, that's when it started hitting us. Okay, this is something that now we have to think about scale. So I think start small, but have the ability or hire the right people to kind of. Uh, make that decision to kind of uh, have that vision that this is going to grow soon, right? Uh, these days, obviously, leverage cloud uh, infrastructure and scaling uh, needs, you know, in the cloud via code or via infrastructure as code. Uh, that's the best thing that happened to architects, especially to startups, I think. Uh, that that really jet fueled startups and scale-ups uh, compared to, let's say, you know, uh, Eight nine years back, when you know a lot of lot of stress was made on hardware costs and things like that. Now you can just uh, you obviously have to estimate and 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 you know budget and things like that. But at the same time, you can track it. You know these are the the difference between your capex and opex. Right, you can track it on a day to day basis, uh, where you have a quantifiable number to look at, and you're actually uh, and yeah and and as you said right you know, as as a as a consulting company, we know that deeply all businesses care about costs and infrastructure costs and as well as development costs so so this is something that you have to keep in mind uh, especially for startups and scale ups you either you know you're directly working for them or you're consulting for them uh, you have to make sure that you have to keep this in mind and start small and then grow yeah absolutely um it's really sort of important to sort of keep that into perspective uh what about yourself sirini yeah, um, thanks, Cooper. I think what uh, Andy said there was uh, sort of what um, I was going to, one of the things I was going to bring up there was definitely getting the right people on board, right? That's uh, one of the key things. Um, in, now, I've sort of been at both ends of the spectrum, working in a uh, very large organization, uh, writing software, and then coming to start startups. So, I sort of had a little bit of experience at both ends. Um, and you know, building Distributed systems, scalable systems—it's hard. It's not—it's not an easy thing, and there's a lot of investment done in by uh, all these big companies, right? AWS, Google, Facebook, um, Netflix, you name it, right? They've, they've spent a lot of time, investment, money, experience in that. So you don't want to be uh, reinventing the wheel, um, and you want to leverage off what they've already done, and you want to try to utilize. Uh, what they've got, like I guess, like Andy mentioned as well, in terms of utilizing cloud-based services that are out there uh, for small, um, you know, small businesses, and startups, scale-ups who have a very limited budget and uh, resources. You want to try to utilize that as much as possible. Um, and the key thing there is why you need that right person who, who to drive it is that not. Every solution that you read out there is going to be um, suitable for everyone. So you need that person to actually go in there and understand it full in uh, depth to work out what's the solution that's actually required. Um, and I can give you an example as, you know, everyone talks, oh, we need Kubernetes here and there, we need to put it in. But um, the cost to actually manage Kubernetes infrastructure, as much as they try to make it easy, it's, it's a difficult thing and, and not everyone needs it. Sometimes you'd be just better off just using something like you know, Azure, Azure, Azure Container Services, or if you're in um, AWS, just use ECS. You don't need to use um, you know, the uh, Kubernetes services that are provided by these cloud providers or build your own because just to maintain it, people don't realize that the cost, especially for startups, is it's not just the initial development cost, it's the ongoing maintenance. The less that you can sort of uh, have to spend on that front, the better it is. So, um, and again, it's about using the right resource there as well. So, another example is clearly about um, you know using whether you use Lambda services or do you use uh, a um, container service, right? You know, sometimes Lambda services is easy to use um, if you feel like based on your uh, kind of load that you're going to get and kind of uh, the how you're going to operate and it's going to be cost effective. Sure, go for that. But if you know upfront soft that it's going to be long running tasks and there's a lot of requests, you know, then you may be better off using some sort of uh, a small uh, lightweight container service in the PaaS or um, something of that sort. So it's just you do need to make sure you've got the right, right person in mind. Um, and I think once you've got that and you have a full understanding of the different services that are out there, uh, they can really factor in um, what's going to be the best for your long term, for the um, long term solution for the company. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, really good points there as well. And Artem, what's your take on on this one? Yeah, thanks. Uh, it is a very interesting question, right? Uh, to be honest, I mean, I wouldn't probably dare to have any silver bullets for it whatsoever. But the way kind of I try to approach that usually is I begin first with the kind of statement that I'm most likely going to get it wrong anyway, no matter what I try. <laughs> and now I'm just trying to get to a point like how wrong I'm going to get. And it probably would depend, right? So I've tried a few different things in the past. And I guess for the startups, and especially if the time to market is critical, I would probably say, look, accept the fact that most likely what you're going to do now is not going to survive for more than a year or whatever your time to market goal is, right? And just accept the fact that, that you will have to redo it when your customer base grows by 10x or 100x, right? It depends on, again, the, the market, the market you're dealing in. So there is a caveat there and probably it gives you the fastest performance because then you, you not only apply it to scalability or infrastructure, you apply it to the code as well. And uh, I've learned that concept some time ago, which kind of made me think a lot. If you consider a code, right, as how long it's going to live, you will not start, you now start thinking like how much effort you're going to put into that. Because if I know if that's, you know, short-lived code in half a year and a year is going to be gone, I'm not going to try and engineer it super hard because it's going to cost me a lot of time to do it. And I'm going to ditch it by the time anyway. So what's the point? Uh, there's not going to be a bunch of teams maintaining it. Like I don't create this problem. Um, on the other hand, if I know it's a long-term hit, then sure, like do it, do it right. Same about, about this, right? Like if you, if you want to iterate fast and you happy to with the concept that yeah, you'll have to basically start from almost scratch at some point in time. Just go as fast as you can get to the market because you're operating in this stage on a very limited knowledge, right? You don't, you don't, most of the time, especially for startups, you don't even know what you're doing. You don't know what even, what problem you're solving. Sort of have an idea. You put it out there and say, hey, customers, do you like it? Like, am I kind of hitting the market at least somewhere around, you know, the bullseye? And then you get this feedback and you change and you get the feedback and you change. And this is awesome. After some time, sure, you kind of nailed that. And now you're building the product for, for enterprise, for instance, right? You go into the next level and a level above it, you kind of start thinking about long-term. You can now think about the architecture. There's a caveat there, though, um, which I've seen that business has to be on board with that idea. Now you're right. going to ditch everything because what will happen in the year, you say, okay, guys, we did our POC, MVP, whatever you want to call it. Now time to rebuild that business. Like, ah, no, no, we have the product, right? Just add a few features on top of that and let's move on. Yeah. And and that's where you start getting a lot of problems. <laughs> so they kind of need to be like in a very good agreement that that's what exactly you're going to do. Like, and they understand it clearly. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, another thing what I would try before is actually design the architecture for if I was an enterprise, right? Like what that. That's what I think right now, what I will need if I have, I don't know, a thousand X customers, for instance, in my system, right? So I build a full, full blown, I don't know, um, Netflix architecture, for instance, right? But then obviously I'll look at it and I'm like, okay, that's going to cost me like millions and millions and, and years in, in building. So I'm not doing this. I don't have people. I don't have money. I don't have time. I don't have anything. So, but I still think that I'm going to be somewhere around there in maybe five years or three years. Like, what can I do now to maybe do start doing it incrementally, right? So, okay, how can I split this huge architecture into different phases? And I start implementing one phase. I implement that, and then I do review cycle. And then I see, okay, you know, maybe something actually I don't need what I had in that overblown architecture. But still, like, I, I, the general direction is, is, still, is still correct. So I can try and now build the next phase, which basically expands that. By that, I'm obviously saving as much as I can around whatever you build, because it sort of builds, um, you know, with that in mind. It doesn't work perfectly, but it, it obviously takes more time. If you again, if you want to iterate fast, that's probably I wouldn't I wouldn't go with that approach simply because it still takes more time to build it. It still takes more effort to maintain it. It still takes more even effort to design it. So. But it kind of gives you a good roadmap and not necessarily, you know, you don't pay the full cost now, right? When you decide to go, you know, all, all in. 
Yeah, but again, it's it's very much a a product per product probably problem, as um, Andy said, right? The scalability is, is different factors. For some systems, it can be data, so you can just you can salvage the rest of the code maybe, but you know change the, the data layer to something more scalable. For someone, it will be compute. For someone, it will be something else. And uh, if you sort of can relatively well predict that to at least to a good extent. You might get it right, but, well, we never know, right, until we get there. So it's always a, a bit of a gamble there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's the one thing, right? You never know how it's going to be used or, up, like, uptaken by the end user. So it's always just, like, best guess. Um, thanks for everyone's sort of, like, input on that one. I'm going to pass back over to Sereni now um, with his question. Sure. Uh, yeah, so um, just just to add, I guess, to what uh, Hatsum had mentioned in the previous one, I just want to sort of, uh, like one of the things that's always very hard, in, uh, especially if you've, you know, you've got um, engineers who are very, uh, who are very, I guess, methodical about how they do things, it's, it is very difficult to come to terms that you better write something that's going to be thrown away. So everyone always has to try to make something, you know, really, uh, you know, keep it that, okay, this is not going to be thrown away. How do I keep, keep using it? It's, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to, uh, come to terms and try to say, okay, I can write something that's potentially going to be thrown away. So, um, the very challenge, and maybe that's a, that's a question for another day, perhaps, as to how you resolve those problems. Um, but yeah, just coming, coming to, coming to my question, um, is really, it's good that we've got a good mix of people around the room from startup, uh, consultancy background and also, uh, well-established, um, companies here as well. So my question is really about when building architectures at scale, you know, a lot of careful planning comes with it. Um, and along with it, there's also a lot of unique set of challenges. So what are the, some of the key risks that technical teams and businesses that need to be aware of? And what are some of these strategies to mitigate those risks? Um, that's sort of my question. I'd like to put it out there. From uh, my, I guess I'm trying to keep it brief as to the way I, I sort of see it is uh, sort of just going to what we mentioned really before is about the maintenance side of things. And people really tend to underestimate when you're building these um, new architectures that uh, you know, how once it goes out to production, how are you actually going to maintain it? Have you uh, thought through the logging side of things? Have you thought through fail safety or through holdback? Um, there's things that we tend to sort of leave to the last minute, but um, it really gives a bit of a upfront um, indication as to how much work is actually involved when you're building a new system. So if you're building a distributed system, okay, how do I get all the logging across all of these different systems. Um, if one of these sensors goes down, how do I then um, bring it back up quickly and easily? So all of these factors are things that need to be um, really looked at uh, up front to try to ensure that you don't have production-related issues and things go down a lot. Um, and the other thing from a business point of view is you know, budget blowouts. And I think uh, we've seen many of this where uh, someone estimates it to be Oh, yeah, we can rewrite this in about six months and ended up taking two years to write, write it. Um, it's, it's really about you know, the, uh, trying to um, clearly articulate and make sure that um, you know, what you're building, uh, what it is, and that communication, I think, is, is a big key that plays part in this. And this is really about, again, sort of going back to whoever's driving this um, from a business and technical point of view. There needs to be that one person that's really making sure that, uh, they're communicating across with the work that's happening down at the ground level and talking back to businesses and really making sure that um, there's that constant feedback, okay, this is what we're building today, this is what we're building, this is what you're going to get at the end of the next week, um, you know, why hasn't things this reached? So um, that, that's a real big thing which I think, um, and it, it's hard for especially technical people, um, I'm still learning it myself and I'm sure many people are, as, uh, that the communication piece is, is, a, is a challenging thing. It's about trying to get technical um, communication with the business uh, you know, communication in line. So it's, it's difficult, but I know there's plenty of improvements that can be done there to ensure that you know, some of these uh, issues and 
risks are addressed. Um, and last but not least, I think it's really about these unknowns in technology. I mean, everyone, when you want to look at something new, they read about it, the new cool, hip thing. Um, uh, they want to go in there and try it um, and start to put it into the system straight away. Um, unless you've got someone who's actually used it in the past or at least can prototype it and show it scale, um, it's really about making sure that there's some time factored initially to say, okay, this is what we're doing, this is how it's going to work, here's a bit of a prototype, a quick, you know, one week, one sprint or two sprint kind of work, making sure that it uh, can actually do what it says it does, uh, putting in some of the key kind of um, the concerns about the technology. Uh, has to be factored in before actually undertaking these projects. So that's one way of saying that can at least help mitigate those risks. Sometimes you go down a technology, you go really fine, you, you thought it does something and it doesn't do what you were expecting in it. You, know, you may end up having to either scrap it or spend a lot more time than you actually need to on it. So um, that, that's sort of my view on it. But, yeah, I'd love to sort of see how everyone else in their own uh, disciplines um, addresses these. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Andy, what are some of the strategies that you've uh, implemented over time for this? Yeah, I think I think uh, as soon as as soon as Srini you asked the question, I think the the centralized logging and monitoring and distributed uh, tracing and things like that came to my mind as well. I was like, that's an absolute absolute must because uh, these days, as you drill down systems, you build more of these uh, microservices, micro front ends, kind of distributed systems across uh, and multi-region on to add, and add on top of that uh, you you still need uh, your your ops your businesses to be able to look at things when they go wrong and that's where that's where some of the challenges lie when uh, uh, in terms of risks right when when things go wrong like when they are deployed in production how do you look at things the other thing that that probably uh, I would like to highlight is security. Uh, security is something, it's it's a big risk. Not It was always a big risk, and now it's just gotten bigger because your footprint across uh, by deploying a lot of these services, uh, you know, both uh, both distributed as well as, you know, highly decoupled from each other. Uh, the security, you have to be able to build your footprint in a very consistent way so that even when you're scaling up uh, or, or, or scaling out, your security is consistent, which means that, uh, you know the you you have a depth of defense. Uh, you you want to make sure that you know all your all your systems, both internal and, and external, are pretty pretty well secure. Using roles, using tokens, using whatever mechanism that you have. Uh, so that's that's I think one of the most critical. Uh, that's I would say you know top two risks in in any uh, architectural design, uh, as small as a startup or an enterprise. Yeah, absolutely. I think security is uh, something that's definitely in the forefront of a lot of our our minds after late last year. So, um, great points. Um, what about yourself, Artem? How have you sort of uh, attacked these? It's a tough one. And hello from Optus customer. <clears throat> uh, I'll definitely I'll definitely echo. Uh, both Serenia and India on, on durability and, and security, like this is just, you know, it's just the quality you must have in, in, in the current world. Uh, I guess another thing is what I would add to that is the approach we kind of tried is to start, you know, slow, finish fast. Right. So I guess put more effort into planning. And I guess Serena, you mentioned, right? People sometimes want to, hey, you know, grab this thing and put it into production, have fun, you know, implement it straight away. But that, yeah, that's just a direct road to a problem, right? Because yes, you don't think how much effort it's going to take you to maintain it. You don't think how much even effort it's going to take you to implement it. It seems easy, right? You read some fancy blog post somewhere and Hey, look, it's cool. Everyone's using. We should use. We should be using Kubernetes. Why not? And then you like uh, eyeballs deep into all the problems, uh, you know, for the for the rest of the year and the whole team capacity basically eaten by that. So, I guess the detailed design helps. I believe, right? Because you you try and go through all the, well, as much as possible, obviously through all the potential issues, right? You you do list your assumptions. You just have them in your head. You actually list, okay, I assume that this is going to be this, it's going to be that. I list my criteria, I list my potential issues, and then this is being reviewed by some people. And 
most likely than not, someone will have some experience with the technologies here and there that you might not have. And uh, they may point you out that look, you know what, you didn't, you like, you didn't include, say, you know, maintainability of some service or like just just operations cost of that, or some something else. And uh, it kind of pushes you to think more again and try to mitigate this this these design issues, uh, and sort of mitigate another risk as well that sometimes is kind of hidden is. The actually the capability of the team, right? Because again, people may, you know, maybe do tutorials or something, they learn new things. So like, okay, I've learned something new here. Let's implement that. But then you didn't really implement it before. So you don't know the, you know, underwater um, rocks and things. <laughs> so as soon as you go into implementation, start, you know, tripping on all them all the time. And this is fine. This is called experience. That's why you can't get it from the books, but then you kind of need to factor it in and make sure that at least, you know, your estimations are correct, right? You're not behind the deadlines by half a year because you didn't sort of think about all of this stuff. Or it your solution doesn't work at all because, well, there was actually a few edge cases where it can't do it. Simple as that. Um, yeah. I think that's a really good point that I can't learn everything in books, right? It, it is experience and it's you do have to play with it to really understand how it's going to react in the real, real world, um, I guess. Um, so until it's deployed and someone's trying to use it, you, you've got your best guess, but you don't know. Um, so, yeah. What about yourself, QS? I guess, yeah, everyone covered the uh, question uh, aloud quite well, honestly. But I'd like to, you know, following up um, Atom's um, uh, you know, uh, answer and talking a little bit about, you know, uh, detail and implementation. But I guess, yes, that's a very good point, right? I have been seeing the team actually read a book somewhere, right, about uh, event-driven or whatever and start implementing it without, you know, think of why, right? Why we need actually event-driven if, you know, the the, <laughs> the pressure is not at uh, that level at all. So, I guess my point of view is that I'm I'm always like to try to talk with the team at a certain detail. Uh, while you know, yes, I do you know design the system at a high level, you know, general diagram, uh, making sure you know everything is at the right layer. But on the other hand, how to making sure how to make sure you are design, you know, especially your architecture, your design actually um, implemented correctly by the team. I guess that's very important the piece as well. Because again, you know, how perfect is your design sometimes doesn't really matter because like why is the team, you know, implement it. And if you don't follow up at all after maybe a month, two or whatever, you realize, what, what, what's that? You know, that's not my, that's not my design at all. So. I guess that's uh, that's bringing, I guess, a review process uh, is very important. I generally want to have a, have a, you know, careful review process, even, you know, that probably, you know, slow down everything at the first place. But I consider, you know, that review process is a sort of, you know, education process as well. So you sort of, you know, educate, mentor your team to making sure they actually uh, understand your design because at the end we human being right there's a misunderstanding everywhere through the communication so i guess especially you know at the first couple of months i would uh you know take them very serious of review everything to making sure you know everything is on the right track uh that's a thing uh the other thing is about you know testing all sort of automation tasks because, you know, yes, you want to, you know, making sure you have a design, you believe, um, you review everything. Uh, it sounds like theoretically it should be, you know, able to, you know, scale to whatever level. But on the other hand, how can you make sure? For me, putting all those like uh, automation tasks uh, for monitoring the system uh, to making sure the system is working as you expect is very important. So, generally speaking, I... I uh, love to have a, have a very strong, you know, automation task team, which is building all those automated uh, task scripts. So eventually for every, you know, changes, every delivery, you, you got the confidence by running uh, your task with to making sure, you know, the system is still uh, as 
at the level as you hoped, right? I guess, uh, yeah, that's some additional uh, thoughts adding up to, I guess, Autumn's uh, uh, the idea around, you know, detailed design and implementation level uh, in short of, of, of the, the scalability. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, implementation, I think, is only something you can ever really figure out in the field um, or deployment, right? It's... It's that lived experience, as Artem was saying. Um, and I guess last but not least, I'll get Artem to introduce his question now. All right. Uh, I guess it's a, a bit of a build up on, on, on all the conversation. But what I've personally, again, faced and interested in opinions about is, at least in my experience, most often than not, you inherit the system, right? You don't necessarily go into the Greenfield project and build it from scratch and you get to choose how it is designed. But then you come into a project, you take it over and okay, next, you know, next requirement from business or from technology is to make sure that it supports 100x customers, right? We are going for scale. We are going, you know, we, we require a new business uh, direction, whatever it is. How do I, and this is the live product, right? People using it. I have live customers. You have teams working on this. It is designed, probably not the best way because what reasons. How do you now take this product and without completely destroying it or halting it for the next year or two, how do you re-architect it? For and it's probably not necessarily a scalability question, right? But I mean, one of the things you probably would, would create the biggest issue for you is actually make it scalable, right? If I take, say, some monolith, right, which is probably by far not scalable, but like single database sitting somewhere. Now, how do I take it, make it scalable, because it will require me a lot of changes on a number of layers, but I keep the business running and I also don't create two products in the same process because oh, well, I've seen that happen when it just, you know, it goes dual track and never converges back, right? So it's just, now you you had one product, you had one problem, now you have two, you have two problems. Now. So yeah, um, personally, I guess what we've been looking at is try and incrementally factor out, um, you know, pieces and components of the system and potentially like, you know, start like chopping that monolith into something smaller. I, I don't want to swear with microservices here because that's uh, its own problem. But let's call it services, right? Just start, okay, you know, I chop out this component to its own thing with its own life cycle. It still relies on everything else. So again, not microservice, but then I can sort of work on that component separately and start, you know, Rearchitecting it, start rebuilding it. Maybe I can rebuild it completely, or maybe I can slowly introduce different consoles. For instance, if I need a scalable data uh, database or data engine, whatever, I can try and introduce it there, right? And I'm not touching everything else. The system stays and the system's still live and operational. And doing this, I can slowly but gradually and you know ongoingly change the architecture ultimately where I want to be. The biggest probably problem with that is. It takes a lot of time or a lot of people, right? Which is ultimately ends up to time anyway and the cost. So you may not have this uh, you know, luxury of having so many people or so much time to do it. Um, yeah, would love to hear your guys' opinion. Yeah, um, huge, huge question here. I think we could probably spend a bit of time on it. Um, Sereni, I'm going to pass over to you first. Cool. Uh, thanks. I, I was uh, very keen to answer this one. <laughs> I, I love this question, Artin. I think it's, uh, it's beautiful. Um, I, I love discussing this uh, with especially a lot of um, junior guys uh, who are sort of coming up or uh, startups um, who are looking, you know, who've, who've obviously, like you sort of mentioned before, have built something really quickly and then now need to change it over, but they've got existing customers. How do you go from there? Um, I think. One of the key things, uh, and like you mentioned, it may not necessarily just be related to uh, scalability as such, but uh, one of the things that um, I found has always worked in my favour is using feature flags or feature toggles. Um, it's a, a brilliant way 
to be able to manage um, exactly this kind of problem where you've got two paths. Um, you don't want to stop your existing um, customers. You want to build out going forward into the future, how you're going to sort of go about managing um, that. And uh, I've seen uh, this and this is how we've rolled out some of the new architectures for um, some of our, I guess, you know, big customers who we said, okay, you're not able to scale with the current technology. Let's move you onto new technology. It's gonna, you know, we're gonna incrementally grow it. You're gonna be on a, you're gonna be a beta user, um, but you'll nothing will change at your end. Continue to know all your APIs that you're using, etc. Will all be the same. However, when you come to uh, our end, we will sort of move you on, and we use feature toggles in a way to okay, well, this particular customer would be using this new path. Um, and of course, it's about one of the things as well. If you, if you're new to feature toggles, you can get into the kind of the mentality of just let's just add feature toggles everywhere. But it's really critical to also make sure that you can um, scale those feature toggles back and remove it because you need that path um, and that mindset to say, I'm going to actually move to everyone over to this new architecture eventually. Might be a gradual process, but you know, I've got a path to get there. Um, and you need to make sure that everything that you're doing you are having that mindset. So it's really about um, your existing customers who are using the old technology. If there's a new feature that needs to be done, okay, this customer needs a new feature. Can we now take that feature onto the new um, architecture and move the customer as well to the new new system? And you just gradually work that way. Um, there will be, of course, times when you have, uh, you know, um, you call it legacy issues that has to be addressed across the platform. So you do have to work and maintain the old one as well. But over a period of time, really, that you'll find that a lot of that um, you know, maintaining two systems, like you said, you know, you'll, you'll have two problems rather than one. But hopefully, what ends up happening is, and initially, you'll probably have set hundred percent problems and one hundred percent problems in the second one. But over a period of time, it becomes more of a case of you know, gradually decreasing in the first one and then shifting over to the uh, next one, and then you can phase out the old one. So. Um, Feature toggles. I think that's uh, the way I'd answer that question. All righty. Feature toggles, the way of the future, um, or the way of really sort of knuckling out um, old legacy systems and scaling them. What about yourself, uh, QS? How have you sort of addressed these in the past? Well, I actually, I, I, I believe this is a very tough question. And I guess most likely, I guess, the failure, failure case is very high, honestly. Like when you're taking over an older system and you promise to your boss, say, okay, I will, you know, <laughs> make it better. But honestly, like I, I my experience is saying like, if you cannot uh, manage your track carefully, even, you know, honestly, you manage it carefully, the failure case is still very high. The reason is like, uh, why are you trying to do that? Actually, you are, as I said, you're facing two problems, right? One end is you have to make sure that the, the, the legacy system is still working as is. But on the other hand, you are trying to um, change it, which could could, could eventually create lots of trouble on the, on the older system because like any change it could cause a regression or whatever. So my personal, um, ideally, my personal suggestion would be like having a dedicated team uh, won't be too large. But I would suggest to have a dedicated team which is starting respect to the existing code at first. Because the reason is, like as I said, you know, the older team is still busy on maintenance the current system, right? I don't want to put them on two problems. One end is like they have to maintenance the existing system. On the other end, they don't want to take any risk while doing any changes because like, yeah, they, they, they have to make the existing uh, system working. So putting those uh, older team on it, it will be very difficult. That's one end. The other end is, again, we are human beings on this, right? Why, uh, you know, I've been seeing in such situation why you are talking with that team who build the, the, the older system to persuade them to, you know, implement the older uh, system the other way is a bit hard. Honestly, well, it's fair, right? We are human beings, right? <laughs> Anyone say you have been building a, a, a bad thing, then, you know, well, I guess the nature, they say, no, it's not bad. It's pretty good because of this, 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 right? 
you can give lots of reasons. Say, okay, that's a good design. Even you know, you you show them the the problem, right? Honestly, we are human beings. So generally speaking, as I said, you know, I would say what well, depends on right. If the boss, if you have the money, if I have your your time or resources, there's lots of uh, you know dependencies there, assumptions there. But ideally, I would hire one or two. Uh, you know, uh, senior guys uh, I, I have comfortable with. Also, I will probably, you know, monitoring the changes very carefully. But I would start uh, building a dedicated team who is actually firstly reflecting uh, the, the, the current code uh, piece by piece, incrementally. So then, uh, as uh, like uh, uh, Srini uh, suggested, we have uh, the feature uh, flag uh, we have maybe sort of A-B test or whatever, you know, putting all the factory eventually back to the, the system to making sure, you know, yes, there still uh, will be regression, but hopefully, uh, you know, not much. And we eventually can, you know, respect the code to a certain level. You know, the code base is good enough. Then we start thinking about, you know, re-architecture everything. I guess, you know, I'm not saying, you know, we want to use that reflective code um, still, but that process gave the team uh, the chance to to learn, to to understand uh, what exactly the, the mechanism uh, is. On the other hand, you know, uh, around the, the refactoring process, we probably have to build some, again, my favorite, right? My favorite automate, uh, you know, script, uh, testing or whatever, eventually cover the code by then we have the confidence. Then we can, you know, re-architecture everything, uh, either re-implement, depends on the situation, either re-implement or, you know, uh, reuse the, the, the fact code. But at the end, you know, the team have a relatively uh, good sense, good understanding of the legacy system. Then we have, a, we, we are at a, a good base. We can re-architecture everything, uh, we can, you know, rebuild the system somehow, either, you know, using uh, leveraging the existing code or, you know, even re-implement everything. I guess, again, that's my way, but there's no guarantee, you know, this will be success at all. This is a very tough uh, situation. I guess, as I said, my experience told me, you know, uh, the failure rate is very high. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I think sort of every time you like encounter this problem is probably not one way that you can solve it. Right. I think there's probably right. many different ways, um, to cut the cake, I guess one could say, um, what about yourself, Andy? How have you sort of, um, seen this and dealt with it in the past or currently? So, uh, just, just before that, a couple of <laughs> comments. So, so a couple of great things that I heard. Uh, really mentioned feature toggles and Artem mentioned uh, uh, microservices, both great in their own respect, but when combined, I've seen the disaster disasters happen because <laughs> uh, we were working in a distributed system where everyone is using feature toggles and each microservice was like, and there was like, what, what combinations of feature flags do we try to make this thing work? <laughs> it was a disaster. I just thought I would just bring it up. <laughs> Yeah. No, for sure. Right. It's it's your experience and what you've seen. So it's a really interesting um yeah. thing, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So this 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 problem is is pretty uh pretty eminent, right? I think any any uh organization, and I think every organization has gone through this this process of uh kind of a di digitization, or even if they are a technical company, uh some kind of a, a re-platforming or re-architecture uh, or you know ground up building as well. You know, every organization goes through this. Uh and I think uh going back to uh, QS, I think uh, this what he mentioned, you know, having having a team dedicated to do that. Uh, and supporting them with the right processes, I think, uh, and and with with the right tools, right systems, and and the right framework, right? Like you know, you can't tell them you can take six months and come come back to me and and show me what you delivered, right? You know, give them a uh, give them small kind of chunks, you know, uh, use agile as a framework, for example, give them small chunks, give them deliverable value, and have them show that value back to you, right? And and uh, and I think what this is not just technical value. This is also showing business value. Like what does this bring to the business uh, back, right? In terms of, okay, you know, cost benefits, infrastructure, from a user perspective, what does this bring? If it brings the performance now, if it adds the ability to add or, you know, low, uh, onload uh, more 
users to the system, that's a great benefit as well. So show these uh, uh, values back to the business, back to the leaders and back to the management is is a is a key thing is is, is what i think it's a it's an interesting problem and going back to qs i think i think all all of us as architects are kind of in one way or the other married to our architecture and, and, and our code right so we get very defensive when when someone comes in especially uh, a third party or someone new comes in and just tries to rip things out and say that this is not good uh, which is which is going back to our uh, artem's uh, quote on we could just design for two years if you're lucky. One year <laughs> if you're uh, if you're good. Two years if you're, two years if you're lucky, right? So I think that's 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 the day and age that we're living in, and I think we just have to accept it that we do we did the best uh, to our abilities in the in the in in the boundaries that we had in the technologies that we used, uh, and be open to changes. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um... And I guess it's sort of, it's that one one like solution doesn't fix all, right? Um, I think that's probably the thing I've taken away um, from from Artem's question there, and um, I think that's human nature when you've you've built something, you've put maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe even four years of work into it, and then you get someone else coming and say, "Oh, this isn't very good." Naturally, as a person we're going to get defensive. We worked on that. Like that's our baby. And then someone's like, mm, could have been better. And it's like, excuse you. Um, so I think it's, it's a really um, interesting sort of point that everyone sort of like touched on is how um, personal your work becomes to you and being able to sort of like separate, I guess, the emotion from, from the, the creative um, genius that you've made with your code. So um did anyone have any other points before on this before i wrap this up no we're all good silence is uh is what we want um (laughs) um look i just want to say uh thank you to everyone again for jumping on today um qs from achilles sereni from go fundraise andy from slalom and artem from hybrid i really appreciate you guys taking the time out today um to discuss such a big topic i feel that we could probably make this into a mini series um and sort of keep running at it um but we'll wrap it up here um so yeah thank you so much guys for jumping on today